In this interview with TV veteran and Atmosphere TV CEO Blake Sabatinelli, he explains how fast market principles can unlock an opportunity to reach out-of-home TV viewers with targeted ads. Listen on to learn more. This is Endscreen Noise. My name is Colin Dixon, founder and chief analyst at Endscreen Media, and this interview was recorded on June 14th, 2023. Like me, you probably haven't given much thought to the videos playing on the TVs in your local pizza parlor, doctor's office, and oil change facility. Atmosphere TV's Blake Sabatinelli has, and he sees an opportunity to create an entirely new way for advertisers to reach viewers. In this interview, he lays out how Atmosphere TV realizes the opportunity by leveraging the principles driving the expansion of the fast market. But first... Do you need a moderator or interviewer to make your executive speakers shine? Do you have a customer event coming up and need an industry expert that can set the stage with a visionary keynote? How about a dinner host with customers to move the conversation along through topics that matter to you? With my 15 plus years of experience speaking at the industry's top conferences and customer events, I can help. If you would like some help with your speaking opportunity, send an email to sales at endscreenmedia.com to set up a meeting so we can discuss your particular needs. Now, back to the podcast. Blake Sabatinelli has been in the digital TV business for 15 or more years and started out in local television in Florida and Virginia, and he ended up running digital strategy for EW Scripts. After Scripps bought streaming news pioneer Newsy in 2014, Blake stepped in to run the business. He grew it from a 3 million to a 50 million business. He left Scripps in 2021 to run Atmosphere TV, a provider of TV services to businesses. As you'll hear in this interview from Stream TV on June 14th, 2023, the premise of Atmosphere TV just wouldn't have worked five years ago. The company leverages technology and approaches that are also powering the explosive growth of the fast industry. And as you know, that really didn't kick into full gear until a couple of years ago. In the interview, we discuss how the Atmosphere TV business works, builds an entirely new distinctive ad inventory for brands, and how Blake sees his business and the fast industry evolving over the next five years. Now let's get to the interview with Blake Sabatinelli, Chief Executive Officer at Atmosphere TV. My thanks to Questex and the Stream TV show for allowing me to bring you this interview in its entirety. We're going to take a little bit of a left turn and talk about a different application of fasts, uh, but maybe I'm getting a little bit of a ahead of myself. Maybe we should, I should let you, Blake, maybe you should introduce Atmosphere TV. Sure. So um, <laughs> Atmosphere TV makes TV for businesses. And before anyone else goes scurrying out of the room because that's holy shit, that sounds like the most boring thing on the face of the earth, <laughs> I'd like to ask you guys all a really important question. 
How many times have you been to a bar, a restaurant, or a doctor's office, or some other third space location, and you've looked up at the TV, and TV's on mute, and it's Judge Judy, Stephen A. Smith, someone like that, and you're having to read captions from a distance, and you thought, wow, this sucks. Well, Atmosphere is here to make that better by making those screens addressable via connected television, so it's a better content experience for viewers, and it's a better advertising experience for those that are looking to uh, advertise in a contextual market. So uh, maybe we should go back. You, you were one of, one of the founders of Newsy, or the founder of Newsy, I think, right? I was, so I was CEO of Newsy for six years. A wonderful gentleman named Jim Spencer was the founder of the company. Okay. Le left after a couple of years, uh, but uh, pivoted the company from being a mobile-focused organization to Connected TV early on in 2015. So when I think about one of the original first channels, I always think about Newsy, because I think it's been around basically since... Fast became fast, or even before fast became fast. So, what was it in Atmosphere TV that convinced you that that model would work here? Uh, so <laughs> clearly, fast has become a thing in the consumer side of the business, and uh, there's a real business and a real economic model there. Uh, but the audiences there are challenging. We just had you know few, four huge content partner or platform partners sitting up on stage, and they're all fighting for eyeballs. They're all fighting for the same you know couple hundred million people here in the United States. They are all looking to drive the same outcomes. They're all looking to deliver in many cases the same channels. Uh, what Atmosphere was doing was taking a different avenue. Uh, as someone that was really early on in the fast ecosystem, you found pretty quickly that just like any other platform like web or mobile you were beholden to the platform's whims. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't like that part. Right. So Atmosphere not only has uh, real no competitive set, no one's really gone in this direction and has gone to own these screens. We own about 60,000 different locations, about 75,000 plus TV screens now. Uh, give, but us an, give us an idea of what those locations are. So about 45% of our, uh, our locations today are bars and restaurants. But then if there's a TV in a place, we probably have a device there. So think everything from doctor's offices to bowling alleys to uh, you know, kids' fun centers. If there's a TV screen, because TVs have become so prolific, uh, they're so easy to deploy and, and, and hang now, 300 bucks a shot, uh, we try to make sure that we're in there. Very good. Now, money, how does the money work Tell us about the money flow. <laughs> so uh, we are a 100% advertising supported business. Uh, and there's a lot of y'all here in this room and know that's a tough business to be in. Uh, but we go at this a little bit different way. We offer advertisers uh, a new way to engage with audiences. Like I said, there was a, there's an addressability that we've been bringing to screens over the past couple of years that didn't exist, exist previously. So uh, if you were previously an advertiser on DirecTV, or on ESPN being delivered via, uh, via DirecTV, about 15, 20% of your ad load was being delivered out of home as it is. Uh, we've now taken those screens and made them targetable on a one-to-one -one basis, uh, and all of our revenue is driven by the targetability of those screens. So 100% ad supported, working with advertisers across the TV ecosystem, the digital out of home ecosystem, the digital video ecosystem, we really don't care. We're really demand agnostic. I know a lot of y'all in the room are as well. Uh, but we're here to sell ads and to deliver outcomes on the 120 million plus people that watch our platform on a monthly basis. So you mentioned targetability. There's something fundamentally different in the targetability you're talking about than was talked about, for example, in the previous panel uh, that's with a consumer-facing 
service like a, a Pluto TV, right? Talk to us about that difference. What does targetability mean for Atmosphere TV? Uh, so um, you and I have had discussions previously about actual targetability, one-to-one -one targetability on fast. I, I contest or contend that some of that's not super accurate. <laughs> However, um, if you're an advertiser like Nike and you're looking to reach uh, audiences who are likely fitness enthusiasts, what's the best path to go with that? Is it to use some one-to-one -one targeting mechanism via mobile and then maybe catch the person that you thought you were targeting on a TV uh, in a household when you might be catching their wife or their child because we still can't really get to that one-to-one -one outcome? Or is it to catch the person that's on the treadmill? Or if you're a spirits brand and if you're looking to move product, what's the best way to do that? Is it to advertise via mobile or digital or via connected TV? or is it to sell the liquor directly to the person via the TV that's sitting right above the bar? So the contextual, the contextual nature of our screens is really the magic of advertising in a third space, because you're catching people uh, with two different things in mind. First and foremost, they have their wallets in their pockets. They're ready to spend. We know they're in a buying, uh, buying spirit because they're already at a place where they're going to spend money. And then there's a real contextual nature. If you're a pharma advertiser, advertising in a doctor's office, pretty reasonable place to go. So, you know, certainly much different than the, you know, uh, the hyper-targeted capabilities that you would find on a traditional CTV platform, but I'd argue that the results and impacts are equal, if not better. So it's, it's a complicated situation, right? Because it's not just a question of, well, I'll give you an example. Um, a doctor may not like a particular medication showing up in an ad in their office. A bar might have a preferred booze brand. Are they able to, con to, to exercise that level of control? Uh, to an extent, and we see that on occasion with bigger enterprise clients where, like, look, the official beer of this location is Bud Light. And we'd be much, you know, we really appreciate it if you didn't run Miller advertisements. But for the most part, the value exchange in these venues is pretty straightforward. We give away a superior content experience. We give away the tools to make their businesses more efficient, whether it's digital signage or ad creators, all the other uh, items that we have in our portfolio. And what we ask for is 14 minutes worth of ad time in exchange. And for the most part, 99.99% of instances, people are totally fine with that. Because the reality is not everyone who's walking into a large chain restaurant is a huge fan of Miller Lite or Bud Light or Coors Light. Uh, and providing them with the choice and the options that they can see via advertising, uh, in our view, is a better user experience. So most venue operators see that as well. And, and one issue that came up on the previous panel was ad repeats. Here it's not the same issue. You may actually want the ad to repeat, because if I'm sat in a doctor's office, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people moving through that office on a fairly regular basis. Yeah, that's so, absolutely. Uh, impression capping for us looks a little bit different. It's not necessarily about delivering, you know, one or two ads in a session. It's about delivering one or two ads in a session of when a person's sitting there. And as we measure our audiences and measure people coming in and out of locations, that differs greatly. So if you're in a QSR location, we know your average dwell time is like 12 minutes. So if you're a brand and you're looking to make an impact, you're probably going to want to have two to three impressions within that period to make sure that you're delivering your message, especially if it's a sequential message. Whereas in a bar or restaurant where we see dwell times at 60, 70, 80 minutes, we can slow that cadence down and make sure that we're delivering the right ad at the right time in the right place and in giving the message uh, that matters to the consumer and matters to the advertiser uh, in a different way than you see in a traditional environment. Right. How, how are the ads actually placed? Is it a mix of direct selling and, 
and programmatic, or is it some other, or is it all programmatic? How do, how do, how do the ads get in there? We're, we're a yes business. Uh, we, sell, we sell ads all the ways. Uh, we have a direct sales team in New York, Chicago, and LA. There's about 40 of those folks that are going out and selling uh, brand direct, agency direct, uh, so programmatic direct, uh, PMP, your traditional stuff. Uh, but then we also have a pretty robust side of our business that is open exchange, and that's open exchange that sits both on the connected TV side of the business and on the direct, uh, digital out-of-home side of the business, because we really are both things. We are a place-based solution. We do exist in multiple places. We are not sitting at the living room couch. We're also connected TV, because the reality is, is our couch just looks a little bit different. If someone has an intentional experience of watching 60, 70, 80 minutes worth of my content, um, and it's delivered via a connected TV device, and our advertisers are happy with how that's being delivered, that's also a connected TV experience. So give us a f flavor for the conversations that you have with advertisers, because it's such a different, you know, if you're a, a, a Samsung or a Roku, you're talking about, this is my reach, how do you talk about reach and, and the opportunity here to advertisers with, uh, these, with Atmosphere TV in businesses? Uh, the reach side is really straightforward. Um, we, you know, we all work in TV in this room. Uh, we know that uh, linear viewership is eroding rapidly. So the most powerful medium on earth for advertising has gone from being you know, a juggernaut in the space 10 years ago to being... Uh, you know, at risk, especially as ESPN may leave pay TV platforms or go uh, direct to consumer. Uh, but all of us in this room would probably also agree the power of TV advertising. It's the most powerful advertising medium on earth. We know it's effective, we know it works, we know it drives outcomes and results. So as we go to advertisers, we bring two things to them. Uh, if you want to reach audiences at scale, 120 million US adults uh, um, just across our platform, um, you can come and do that here with top of funnel television advertising to drive the results and outcomes that you're looking to drive. Uh, you know, beyond that, it's the targetability of addressability of what we were able to do. Previously, you were never able to reach consumers in a third space with a contextually targeted ad at all ever. Uh, and this is a totally new lane for people. And as an as a inventory owner that uh, is creating uh, a totally new uh, inventory type, it's challenging. Getting people to understand who we are and what we do is you know, a long road, but it makes it a lot easier when you can talk about reaching, uh, reaching audiences at mass. How do you talk, I mean, some of these, some of the situations uh, sound off, right? Isn't that a big challenge for the advertiser? It can be. Uh, these same advertisers in many instances are advertising in a ton of sound off environments as it is. Most of them are advertising on social. Uh, I don't know about you, I don't ever turn the volume up on my phone. So I feel like, right. they're, I feel like they're pretty used to delivering messages in a context and in a way that uh, works in a sound off environment. Many of these advertisers uh, do advertise in an out of home environment uh, with traditional static billboards. So they know how to tell stories and deliver those messages in that way. Uh, so when we go to them and, and say, look, 20 to 30% of our screens have audio, the rest of them don't, that's fine. Uh, we go and build them bespoke creative in many instances because our format looks different, it feels different, it's shaped different. Um, but a lot of people are able to get their minds around this because the reality is they're already advertising in a sound off environment today to you know, 10, 20% of their viewership on you know, CNN uh, no sound. It's, this is happening already, so it's easy to get people's mind around it once you explain the impact, the reach, and the scale opportunities. Very good. Um, talk to us about also how you program those channels. Where does the content come from? 
how, and how do you go about programming channels? Yeah, so our programming ethos is pretty straightforward. Uh, we believe in showing uh, people doing amazing things. So whether it's someone jumping from one airplane to another from our partners at Red Bull, uh, which, uh, God, the lack of fear that human being has is terrifying, uh, to someone hitting a grand slam uh, via baseball highlights. We want to show people doing the most amazing things that they possibly can. Uh, the reality is, is what we do is we curate what's already being curated here. So everyone has one of these devices, everyone has their personal preferences, and in many instances it's people doing cute things, it's cute puppies, amazing things, and so we work with three to 5,000 content creators a month, we aggregate channels, we build programming and, and, and content, and we deliver that across the platform. And is, I mean, are there problems getting quote, brand safe content? How do you ensure the right content gets in the, in, in the right feed? Uh, uh, Talk about the, the video flow there. And <laughs> First and foremost, it starts with me getting very angry with people if they don't program correctly. Mm -hmm. But we have 70 producers across our company, another 16, uh, 16 content uh, um, aggregation folks uh, and significant editorial oversight that allows us to really look at how we create it, why we create it, where it goes, what that content is. Uh, because ultimately, uh, we want to create the most brand-safe environment that you could possibly uh, ever find. Uh, there's, I, I think there's a bit of a misnomer uh, in, this, in this industry that uh, user-generated content's not brand-safe. User-generated content is not only probably the most engaging content being produced today, uh, when monitored uh, and produced properly, it's the most brand-safe as well. You know, it occurs to me that a business like this just... You, you couldn't have done it five years ago. The flexibility you have with your partner, with the partner content to program it, is that one of the keys that made this business possible in the first place? Yeah, so there's a couple things that have you know, made this business possible because look, people have tried this before. There was a person that did closed circuit television uh, back in the late 80s that uh, did not work. Uh, there's been people that have come and gone and thought of similar ideas, but uh, the reality is, is that the creator economy, so the creation of all this amazing content by all of these folks who are really seeking attention, uh, the proliferation of cheap televisions, it's cheaper to buy a TV than it is a piece of art today, and it keeps getting cheaper with telly coming along and saying that'll give them away, um, and the expansion of Wi-Fi. Um, Pretty much every place that you go into today has Wi-Fi. It's the reality of, of life at this time. So those three factors have made this business possible. And then ruthless execution, no sleep, gray hair, all the things that come <laughs> along with that yep. have made the rest of it happen. So this is pretty much a zero install for you, right? Tell us how people actually adopt Atmosphere. Uh, we have a wonderful engineering team. A couple of folks that we have in here uh, are in a room uh, here listening. And they've made this really straightforward. Um, because rolling a truck is the worst thing that we could possibly ever do. So our sales team gets in contact with the business owner. They decide they want to carry atmosphere in their location. And then once they do that, we have a device to them within two days. They open a box. It's custom branded. They lift it up. There's a QR code to scan. And it tells them exactly what to do if they've never done exactly what we expect them to have to do, which is plug it in, connect it to the Wi-Fi. We've all had to do this at home at this point. Everyone in this room has a Roku or a Fire Stick or some sort of internet-enabled television device. Um, so everyone's totally used to doing this. So get it to them fast, make the instructions clear, clean, and easy, uh, and then we're off to the races. And uh, selling cycle, how do, you, how do you find people to sell to? There's so many businesses in the US. 
so many different markets, so many different areas that you could sell to. How do you, how do, you do that? Uh, so we make the addressable market at about 2.4 million locations here in the United States, and that's across seven to eight different categories of businesses. Um, so a lot of it's smiling and dialing, Colin. I mean, we, uh, we have a, a sales team uh, that's pretty sizable at this point, and you know, the biggest goal for us is to get them to understand why having this kind of experience in their location matters. And in many instances, it's uh, better programming that's free for them to deliver, that has tools that are beneficial to them. Once they understand that this is a better consumer experience, can make their business grow faster, and it's really simple to handle, uh, it's a pretty easy sell. So do you think that this, the atmosphere makes it possible for some businesses that previously wouldn't have been able to do this to do it just because it's that simple? So uh, we make a couple of things really easy. Cutting the cord, especially for single TV venues, we make that incredibly easy because the reality is, is they were watching HGTV on mute anyway, and that's just crap. Sorry for any uh, Discovery folks in the room. Uh, it's just not a good user experience in a third space. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and it, I mean, it's, it's free. The tools are free. Everything else we deliver is free. I mean, signage, if you look at it as an expense basis, is a two to $500 monthly expense for most, uh, most companies. Mm -hmm. uh, we give it away for free. Uh, ad creators uh, like Canva cost, uh, they, have a, they have a monthly subscription fee. We've built our own. We give that away for free. So yeah, we, we make it easy by making it free. And what are some of the more unusual locations that you're in? <laughs> the people probably wouldn't have thought that you would be there, but you're there. Uh, so you can find us uh, in uh, just, I think, every Royal Caribbean cruise ship deck right now. Uh, so if you're going swimming, you can watch people uh, uh, skydiving and falling over and doing all sorts of other funny things. Uh, while you're in the pool. While you're in, while you're in the pool. Uh, all on some giant uh, jumbotron screen. Um, you know, frankly, if you can think of it, we're in one of those locations and we're kind of constantly going back and through, you know, going through and saying, maybe let's not be in that location. Like there's no intentionality of viewership, but uh, yeah, cruise ship decks is probably the weirdest one that exists out there. Very good. So I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the general fast market because you've been so enmeshed in that market for so long. Um, one of the things that I've heard at a couple of conferences I've been just recently is conference constantly referring back to fasts as being like cable TV 2.0. Uh, how, how do you feel about that comparison to cable TV? Uh, look, cable was a great value. Uh, cable's also dead. And maybe we should stop comparing ourselves to things that are dead. Not so good for, not so good for business in general, folks. Uh, I think more broadly in this industry, we, we have a real issue with acronyms. Um, because everyone in here makes television, right? That's generally the, the rule of what this show is about. But what do you guys call what you do? Uh, I mean, how many of you call it AVOD? Fast, SVOD, TVOD, cable, broadcast. Um, isn't this all just television? Aren't we, aren't we just doing ourselves a disservice in this industry? by creating acronyms that make absolutely no sense to people who are just looking for the easiest path to buy and deliver. Uh, because even across traditional cable and satellite and other platforms today, there's addressability. So how about we just start selling television and make everyone's life in here a little bit easier. It truly describes what we do. It even describes what we do. Uh, because I think a lot of people would say, no, 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 you're a billboard company. 
No, it's television. You're watching on a bar stool. Was it television before when you were watching ESPN on that bar stool, or was it, was it a billboard? So, you know, my broad thought about this industry is I've been in it for so long. I do think we were probably uh, one of the first two fast channels. Um, stop with the acronyms, folks. It's just TV. We're just making TV. And the more we compare ourselves to something that was legacy, the more you'll never be it. Because you just keep on hearkening back to the good old days instead of going to agencies and doing what we should be doing. We sell audiences with high-impact television advertising on TVs. It's that simple. One of the things that I often think about is, you know, I'm totally immersed in the CTV market. It's one of, you know, I've been covering this for a decade or more. But have we made CTV too complicated? Is it just too difficult for people? Uh, I think that kind of comes back to what I was saying, is um, we've made targeting too granular. We've made too many acronyms, too many platforms, too many differences and differentiations on how things are delivered. Uh, yeah, I think we've made it incredibly challenging for people to understand something that's incredibly simple. Uh, not too long ago, um, actually it was pretty long ago, it was before I was born, we had, we had four channels, then we had 30, that was pretty simple, then we had 100, that was still pretty simple. Now um, there's a cornucopia of random platforms, channels, delivery options, ways to target, ways to make sure we're doing SSAI. It's, it just doesn't have to be that hard. Uh, again, we're, we're selling television advertising on televisions. No one really gives a damn how it got there. It just doesn't matter to most people, and it certainly doesn't matter to most agencies. They want some targetability, they want some addressability, they want to make sure that uh, they're getting what they actually buy, so no fraud, uh, and th that's about it. So my last question is to really get you to think a little bit forward. Where do you see, uh, I mean, where do you see this market going for fast in general, for atmosphere? Where do you think we'll be in five years from today? Uh, if you're listening to Zaslav, we're gonna rebundle cable again. Um, and honestly, I think we've made it so challenging for other people at this point that I don't necessarily disagree. There is going to have to be consolidation. There is going to have to be some sort of rebundling because the reality is, is getting a third of the channels I used to get with twice the ad load or half the channels I used to get with no ad load provides uh, less benefit to me as a consumer less benefit to me as a platform, and less benefit to me as an advertiser. And that's that fragmentation uh, just doesn't make a ton of sense. So you know, if I look forward five years, I do think there is gonna be some consolidation in this marketplace across fast broadly. Audiences are gonna have to come together in cum in order to be meaningful at, at any kind of scale. Um, and we're just gonna have to kind of see who's gonna do the roll up because otherwise we're gonna to continue to splinter off, we're gonna to continue to fragment, and ultimately there's not a lot of value for anyone in the chain if that continues to happen. And for atmosphere specific, specifically, where's that gonna be? Well, clearly we're gonna take over the world. Um, <laughs> that's exactly where we're going. Uh, look, I'm excited about creating a new category of inventory and redefining what television means in the third space. Um, so I think uh, you can expect us to um, Maybe in some instances look a little bit more like cable, uh, but continue to grow the footprint of our business and uh, be ever-present and somewhat annoying for everyone that says, I can't get away from your screens. Any exciting opportunities for you to connect maybe the advertising 
with smartphones that people have got in their park? Anything that you're looking at in that area that might be? So we're, we already do that. Uh, we're already looking at, A, how do we retarget people who were in venue that saw an ad with uh, uh, further down the funnel advertising? Uh, the next step beyond that is really com completing the loop. Uh, because no one reaches the amount of people that we reach in the out-of-home ecosystem with television advertising. We can then reach those people with mobile retargeting, and then if we can close that loop and open it back up to in-home connected TV, I think uh, we'll be in a pretty good position. Blake, this has been a fascinating. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Of course, thank you. This podcast is the property of Endscreen Media. All rights reserved.